eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to On the Bench. I've got Chris Nee and Brendan Sinone here with me as they walk to their cars. We're going to do the instant reaction podcast to Florida State's loss to Louisville. Uh, real quick, Brendan, are you here? Yes, I think so. Okay, good. Chris, are you here? Hello, Joshua. Oh, boy, we are on the bench. Okay, so Florida State falls to 0-4 on the season and 0-2 in ACC play with a 31-23 loss to Louisville on Saturday night on Bobby Bowden Field at Doak Campbell Stadium. The last time FSU began a season with four losses in a row was 1974, Bobby Bowden's first year at Florida State. Um, FSU was down 17-0 in this one in the first quarter. They really came out flat, especially on defense. Um, 31-7 with less than two minutes remaining. But FSU does pull it close. Um, you know, they fought. It wasn't a give-up type game where we thought we were going to see uh, the scout team in the, in the third and fourth quarter. So my question to you guys, first of all, is um, – Chris, just give us your thoughts on, on the start of this one and Florida State's preparedness or unpreparedness for Louisville. I don't want to be that guy, but it wasn't Bowden's first year. Bowden's first year, I believe they started 0-3. 74 preceded Bowden. But anyway, it's getting to the actual game tonight. Be that guy, I mean, Chris. Go, go for it. I, I don't want to be that guy. But getting to the game tonight, I mean, defensive performance out of the gate was putrid. Yeah. You know, first five times that Louisville touched the field, they scored 31 points, four touchdowns, and a field goal. They run just over 50 plays for around 300 yards. I mean, there's no excuse for that. That's awful. They can't get off the field. There was a 15-play drive where 14 plays went for positive yardage. The one non-positive yardage play was an incomplete pass. That, that's just inexcusable. You can't get away with that. You can't, you can't live that life and win football games. And I think every guy in that locker room would tell you that. They, they had a bounce back. They had a much better second half, but they dug themselves a hole that was insurmountable to climb out of because they don't have an offense that performs at a high enough level for them to get away with such things. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Brendan, what do you think Florida State's game plan was on offense coming into this one? So I'm walking by the Sod Cemetery right now. So what happens when you get instant reaction is the Sod Cemetery is playing. All right, there we go. There we go. What, what could the Sod Cemetery be playing right now, by the way? There's, there's this new there's this new feature. Someone could push a button, go by it. It's a very loud volume a recap of what the Sod Cemetery is. Uh, for what it's worth, FSU's probably going to be playing Sod games, you know, for the remainder of the year. So there's that. There'll be a lot of opportunity to add to the Sod Cemetery. Um, so FSU's offensive game plan, 
it's tough. They just they couldn't get in a rhythm early, and that's just been it's so crazy. Last year, their scripting was really, really great. It was super encouraging to see how they come out of games and exploit weaknesses. And then teams would adjust and, and the offensive um, lack of firepower would, would get to them. But we're now four games through this, this season where they haven't scored on the opening drive. And uh, I think it's been uh, first couple drives. They're, they're just not really showing a whole lot of anything. So I, I don't know exactly what, you know, the, the game plan was Josh. It didn't work early. They did get into a little bit of rhythm. McKinsey Milton's a rhythm-based quarterback. That's pretty clear. Jay Sean Corbin uh, just needs touches, and he's clearly going to be able to do some stuff. And, and I thought their run game concepts and, and uh, whatnot were, were actually pretty good throughout the game uh, to get him to climb to the second level. And he obviously took advantage of it too. But you know, they're, they're just limited on offense. Is is kind of what I took away from from today. We can get into McKinsey Milton how he played, but. In general, I, I just, they don't have a whole lot of weapons outside of their running backs. Yeah, we could see that. Uh, the receivers let us down tonight. Um, I thought Jay Sean Corbin, if we're going to give a player of the game, do you guys agree we give it to Jay Sean Corbin? Yeah, yeah pretty standard at this point. Yeah. Yeah, Can't... career high in rushing yards tonight. Huge run to open the second half and inject some energy in FSU after a decent closing to the first half where they had a little success in those last two minutes. So, yeah. Hugely important, not just from a statistical stand base standpoint, but also from just a, hey, are we going to battle and fight and try to hang around in this game or are we going to roll over and play dead? Yeah. He, it bounces back after the fumble against Wake Forest, which is important. I know he had the drop late in the game that you would have liked for him to get. And there's no guarantee they get the first down on it, but you know, he keeps FSU in this one with his explosiveness and his patience and, and balance as a runner. So he's someone you can win with uh, and you just got to keep giving him the ball. Uh, I think fans are going to be frustrated that he only had 11 touches as a runner I'm not sure how much as a receiver he had the one target uh but yeah that's kind of what the offense is at this point I don't think they're gonna give the ball to someone 20 25 times a game for whatever reason there's no need to kind of keep rehashing that I guess for now we made a big deal about Louisville's quarterback Malik Cunningham coming into this one and for good reason he scored two touchdowns through the air and another two on the ground. He was 25 of 39 for 264 yards and two passing touchdowns. Uh, he had 56 rushing yards. This was, though, if we're going to talk about Florida State's defense, I mean, this is a tale of two halves, and we got to kind of be nuanced here because as bad as they looked in the first half, they looked equally – as good in the second, keeping FSU in this ball game with back to back to back to back to back three and outs, um, really stifling Louisville's offense for much of the second half. Uh, Chris, what do you think of Adam Fuller's scheme tonight on defense? I, I'm, at this point, I don't know if this is a scheme issue or a simply getting guys motivated enough to come out of gate and try to play football issue. And you I mean, say this, that. Because Mike Norvell made comments in his post-game presser that these were missed assignments on the back end to open the game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there are issues with the scheme. All schemes have their issues. But FSU's issue in the first half, for everything that was scheme or technique or fundamental related, it was a want to. They didn't have a want to in the first half. I mean, you can't have a 15-play drive where every single play goes for yardage. You just you can't live that life. You can't allow every third down to be converted. I mean, they started eight for nine on third downs, nine for ten if you include one where FSU committed a penalty, and it was a questionable penalty, but that's what FSU gets called for. To FSU's credit, actually didn't have a lot of penalties on the night. 
But nine for 10 on third down conversions out of gate is the way you dig yourself the whole FSU was in. And I was disgusted with the defense in the first half. Mm-hmm. I am pleased that they actually showed up for the second half and did play it out and made an effort. That is a positive. But hey, it doesn't matter. You got to play 60 minutes in a football game. So when FSU wants to start showing up and playing two halves, they might actually win a game. Uh, they may they may win a game convincingly too if they put it together for a full sixty minutes. But yeah, they're yeah. Brendan, weigh in on that second half. So I don't want to. I mean, we got to rewatch the game. Obviously, that's why we're doing incident right now. I don't need to explain that. Uh, I don't want to say, oh, they got it all figured out on defense now and turn it into something that it wasn't. Mm-hmm. The collective of the full game still not great. You kept them to I think Louisville to four point nine yards of play, which actually is pretty good. Uh, the third down defense, even with what they did in the second half, still pretty abysmal on the day. I think you allowed five of ten third down conversions, or it was 50%, whatever the, the total was. So it's still not good enough. You need to be around 35% to be a good defense. You can't be giving up half of your third down conversion attempts. Can't do it. So uh, th- those are things that are still really concerning. I don't want to say, oh, they finished the game strong and, and ignore completely what happened in the first half. What I will say, though, is both offense, defense, um, the team plays hard. And I was worried after the Wake Forest game that, like, okay, let's see if there's going to be a breaking point for this team against Louisville if that does, if they don't get off to a fast start, which they didn't. And I think they had to get off to a fast start to win. They did the exact opposite of that. But to their credit, they fought back and they stayed in it. And, and that is, I think, a reflection of the head coach. And for all the flaws that we can point to with personnel usage, with play calling, and of issues we have with the schemes on both sides of the ball. And there's plenty, your own four, there's plenty of blame to go around. But uh, the team plays hard. And I don't know if that's going to be enough you know, to keep, keep fans satisfied at the end of the day. It, it, it won't be. But um, if, if you are going to get better, if you're going to have a chance, you have to continue to have some pride and to, and to play hard. And mm-hmm. the fact that they, they've been able to respond at least a little bit is, I guess, somewhat encouragement, something you can cling to. And, maybe build on a little yeah and i know there's people listening right now so i'm just gonna get this out and say it now adam fuller is not getting fired after week four um i i know that you know the, the question is being asked right now on the Knowles 24 7 message board but you know talking to people behind the scenes um our sources uh, inside the more and out florida state's just not in a position to fire their defense coordinator after a quarter of the season um, what, what do you think would have happened, Josh, if Louisville did exactly what it did in the first half and the second half? Like, do you think that's a comment? Are we are we living on that close of a line, or is it not really matter I don't think what so. happens in the season? Okay. No, I think um, for Florida State to make a midseason fire like that, uh, I think we would hear the gears in motion behind the scenes, similar to how we did, you know, during the Willie Taggart era. And look, Florida State is just not in a spot where they're able to make a change. Because even if you fire Adam Fuller tomorrow, it doesn't change the defense for the rest of the season. It doesn't. And if you're a head coach that's preaching trust the process and all of a sudden you are making a drastic move like that in the middle of the season, it could send up some 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 red flags that, you know, hey, coach is bailing on us. But nonetheless, Florida State's defense was um, a little Jekyll and Hyde throughout this one. I want to talk about a few things before we get out of here. Uh, this is the Instant Reaction Podcast. We'll be back Monday for a more in-depth session. Um, two other areas of concern. One was Florida State's special teams. What the hell happened with special teams today? Chris, why don't you take that one? 
Well, which one do you want to talk about? The missed field goal or the Keyshawn Helen allowing a 73-yard punt by special teams as a whole? The hold on, Keyshawn Helton not only allowing a 72-yard punt or whatever it was, but also fair catching one inside the five, making Mackenzie Milton go 95 yards with no timeouts to win the ball game. Also, our inability to get the ball past the 20. Forget the 25. How about just to the 20 on a kick return? Don't forget about the yeah. missed extra point either. Oh, yeah. Sure. Uh, that too. I, it's sort of nuts, isn't it? I mean, it's a department that they invest so much time to, and they believe it can be a strength on a team that needs to find things they could be good at. They're not good at it. I mean, in four games, they have a lot of negative things going on on special teams consistently. But I don't know. Maybe you shake up who you have back there. They love Keyshawn. That yeah, Keyshawn's done nothing. Decisions. Keyshawn has done absolutely nothing returning punts. Ja'Kai Douglas yeah. or whoever they have back there has done absolutely nothing returning kicks. Ja'Kai yeah. Douglas doesn't even look fast when he touches the ball. And the thing Court, with Court. Like Keyshawn is that he's supposed to, to be, as a punt returner, like it's just a safe option. Field it cleanly, right. make sure you're not doing anything catastrophic. And why? Catastrophic decisions but why? Happen. But why? Well, why do we have to? Have, why? If you don't have someone dynamic who can who can do do uh, special things as a punt returner, and it doesn't seem like they have that, unless it's Travis J. He didn't seem hundred percent today. Then that's your next option. That's what you have to go to. Is hey, we're just going to play it safely and, and you know field it cleanly, clean it. Was, was it Corey yeah, Wren you, returning the kicks, or was it Ja'Kai Douglas? Corey yeah, Wren Corey, was out with a concussion this this week, which okay. is a toughie. Yeah, you'd like for which, him to be in the mix potentially because of his his speed. I think the punt, or I'm sorry, the kick return that Corey Wren had last week, I think is in fact where he got banged up, which was argu- arguably the best kick return of the season. Back on the punt return subject, you don't need a guy that does a lot of positives there. Mm-hmm. You need a guy that's zero sum or better. And right now, that's a negative for FSU. That that's the issue to kind of you know continue. What are you are you saying you're yearning for the years of Tavares McFadden <laughs> fair catching it? Is that what you're no. telling me? No, I, I'm not yet in the T Max zone, but I, uh, I I just need FSU to not you know allow a field to be completely flipped by a 73 yard punt where they completely misfield it. Well, are you, are you guys at the point where you're missing DJ Matthews and what he's doing at Indiana? Yes. Right now? Yes. Oh my yes. god! I never thought I'd be there. Byersonone, real quick. Byersonone, Bo Jangles, nine p.m. Byersonone. I'm buying. I'll buy. Day. I'll buy it for you, Sonone. You need a little oomph to do that transcription of Mike Norvell. So go All get right. you Trans- some Trans- Transcription and, and midnight diarrhea soon come. I'm cooking a ribeye tonight with baked potato after we that get seemed, off here. Seems like a really heavy meal as well. It's Saturday night, baby. We're out. We're partying tonight. All right, let's finish this up. I want to talk about Florida State's wide receivers. I've been calling them a group of number four wide receivers all summer, and now you see why. They bring you've been call, in trans- you've been calling them number threes. They, are, you, are you downgrading them? They bring in transfer Andrew Parchment from Kansas, who wants to be a number one, claims he's a number one, hasn't won a one-on-one ball all season. The Seminoles lose tonight because transfer Andrew Parchment can't come down with the catch. It was just, he just got beat. I mean, we saw Florida State's wide receivers get beat on one-on-ones all season, but that was the perfect description of Florida State's wide receivers letting this team down once again. Um, Andrew Parchment caught a couple balls, did catch his, was that his first touchdown of the season? No, he had one against against Notre Dame. Okay, so he does catch a touchdown, but for the most part, I mean, I can't explain my frustration 
with Andrew Parchman in the wide receiver group. Um, they missed blocks. Malik McLean missed a key block on the outside. Uh, he didn't, you know, they tried to feed him early. He couldn't really get it going. Keyshawn Helton is just non-existent out there. It's, I don't know if these guys can't, op- can't get open, but they also can't win one-on-one battles. And Louisville, uh, for a lot of today, especially in the second half, just rushed three. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about, oh, McKenzie Milton has a lot of time. Well, yeah, but when they're dropping eight, <laughs> that makes some of the reads difficult too. And, and that's what teams are doing is they're, they're daring Florida state, whether it's Jordan Travis, whether it's McKenzie Milton, Louisville prove you can do it with zone tonight. Other teams are proving you could do it with man to man, daring Florida state to beat them vertically. And whether it's the quarterback, not being able to get the ball there, make the right reads or it's wide receivers, not winning one-on-ones, as you said, Josh, the passing game has been extremely inefficient through four games. Again, it doesn't matter how they've operated, who's been throwing the ball, how, how they've been rotating quarterbacks. That's been a constant. Running game, solid. Passing game, uh, pretty abysmal in, in, in most areas. If you're Andrew um, Parchment, you're you're transferring to Florida State to make that play in that point. Yeah. And he's, I will yeah. say, I will give him credit. He said that almost verbatim, Josh, afterwards. Mm-hmm. That's why I came here is to win these one-on-ones. I didn't win it at the end of the, the game. That's on is me. Is it 1-1 all season? Um. Yeah, I mean, he won the one-on-one and then against Notre Dame. But I got your point. He, he has been, he has not done what you brought him in here to be and really what Florida State needed him to be, too, because he was one of the wild cards, one of the swing guys this season of, like, if the offense was going to be solid, he was going to have to be good Andrew Parchment. He was going to have to yeah. be the 800-yard receiver from Kansas making big plays. And he hasn't been that. And I, mean, I guess it's encouraging that he had kind of got into the mix and was engaged and made some plays today, like maybe that – I mean, this is salvageable when, when a week ago it looked like it wasn't. But, yeah, I mean, it's, but it's not just Andrew Parkman. It's disappointing. He, he didn't make the play he needed to when it mattered. Uh, but, man, it's just like this, this team outside of like two or three guys him. doesn't make plays. This is kind of what they do is not make plays. They don't do. Right. They don't make plays. Because if Parchman isn't – you know, he looks average as, as all get up. If he can't if he get, can't get beat out by other players, then, you know, what are we doing? The wide receiver room is just – it is what it is at this point. Um, well, I mean, you guys know that what FSU was expecting going into the season or in the off season, they thought that, you know, Andrew Parge would get a, a transfer in here. We get Destin Hill. We get one we of get the other freshmen to step up. And that's been Malik McLean, but Destin yeah. Hill doesn't show up. Uh, and, the, and the transfer hasn't been what you hoped it would be. And that leaves you, like you said, Josh, with a lot of complimentary receivers, but no one special. Hmm. Um, the other thing that, you know, we could be critical about now is play calling, but I'd rather give you guys the homework assignment of rewatching the game before we really pick apart play calling. But, um, obviously the, there, there's the one play, the trick play on, was it the, fourth and the, one, fourth and two, the direct, the direct snap. Yes. Uh, what I, what we should have asked and I didn't ask it after the game. And, and that's something I think maybe more of a Monday question was in that play is that Jordan Wilson is looking over to the sideline <laughs> as well. And you feel like if he makes that block, that gives you the chance at it. So I, I I'd like to know. Him. I'd like to know one thing: was Jordan yeah. Wilson selling it, or was he truly looking in for the play? Like, That's I wonder. a good question. I we'll find that out on Monday. That'll be a Monday question for sure. Because you know, there's a lot of reasons why you don't win that game. Um, maybe if you convert there, that helps you out. I don't hate the play call. I know message board hated it. I know the guy sitting to the left of me of the game who's going to weigh in on this in a minute is going to probably say he did not like the play call. You want, I think it was fourth and three. I could be wrong on that. Um, this offensive line doesn't really 
evoke confidence of, hey, we're going to go ahead and get a hard-earned three yards. So you have mm-hmm. to get a little creative with what you do. I know that's not going to be popular. People are going to say, I just go ahead and run it right out. If you can't do that, you don't deserve to win the game. That's fine. Just, just there are a lot of issues personnel-wise, and you're going to have to get creative sometimes to do it, and sometimes that's going to look stupid, whether it's going for it on fourth down and, and that not working out a lot of the time, having to be super aggressive with your play calling, having to be kind of tricky with your play calling. Um, yeah, I, 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 sometimes you don't have a lot of great options, and I think that's kind of what we're seeing. Chris, weigh in on that before we get out of here. I, uh, my main thought is you got to be better at third down because you're awful at fourth down. They're one for nine on fourth down conversions this year. So they've tried different things. They've shown different looks. It hasn't worked. They're not effective at it. You know, they're not a dynamic offense. They, they kind of live and die by chunk plays. And I don't know what the final tally was tonight, but I know when they were around 292 offensive yards, I think it was 11 we're on ch- 11 chunk plays produced 258 of those yards. So basically the other 30 plays had produced 34 yards. So they're not really an offense very capable of just lining up and winning many plays. So I, that, yeah, I, the fourth down call, people are going to hate on it. People are going to not hate on it. I, I'm over hating on individual play calls. It, it's an offensive issue as a whole that they're just not very good offensively. Right. I miss the wildcat. I don't. I, I am a firm believer at this point that Jayshon Corbin workhorse with Trayshawn Ward being the number two and used a good bit himself and FSU being a very run heavy team would not be a negative thing. I think it's a lone strength they've got. I'm just here to run the call. Yeah, more more Corbin uh, would be good in the long run. And I think we're all on the same page there. All right. Well, we're not the only ones in misery. Clemson lost to NC State tonight. Uh, Texas A&M fell to Arkansas. I think the Gators are at halftime. It's a dogfight with Tennessee. They're up by three. So uh, there are some things for FSU fans to look forward to, <laughs> maybe some losses from their rivals. Anything else you guys want to add or uh, you guys just want to watch some tape and get back on Monday? My, bro- my, buddy, my buddy's one game away from winning a parlay. He had Louisville getting one point. He had Arkansas with the points mm. and he had NC state with the points and he put down 50 bucks. He's about to get 500. He just needs the dolphins and the Raiders to go under 44 tomorrow. Good luck to him. Uh, Chris, mm-hmm. you got anything? The only other thing I was going to throw out there is Milton was kind of self-critical of himself after the game about some of those sacks. I think FSU allowed six sacks on the night. Some of that's Robert Scott's not healthy and he made a go of it, but there were instances he had trouble I don't think they did a fantastic job of helping him in some instances too. Um, But Milton also owned that there's instances where he, you know, he has to get rid of it or feel the pressure a little better and not take the sack. And I think the last sack was definitely on him. I think he's got to get rid of the ball there one way or another. You can't take a sack with uh, a minute to go in the game and no timeouts. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, But there was a few times where it wasn't on him. And it was I think, I think I counted three on Robert Scott, which again, that's a toughie. Like that's your best option is a guy who's far from hundred percent, but like he, he may be your best option. And I think three were probably on McKenzie. I feel bad for Alex Atkins. All right. Anything else? All right. I'm at Bojangles will, guys. Let's make it happen. We will be back at Bojangles on Monday. No, I'm just kidding. We will be back on the bench Monday. For Brendan Sinone, for Chris Nee, I'm Josh Newberg. Thank you for listening. Okay. 
Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.